0: If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
1: I thought
0: in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs)
1: Las Vegas for the Baseball buddy Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. You've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Jason Radowitz of SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, along with Game Day, MLB, and so many other platforms when it comes to football. Guy yeah, does a terrific job of handicapping and we're going to be doing just that with them, taking a look at Saturday's games, trying to take a look at where the money is going to be made. Some of his favorite plays, so we're going to have some fun there. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys sign total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday and a little something like call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind letters M they mean does not matter. So as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into the comments box. Of that five-star review did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
0: The games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap.
1: The early slate of games on Friday wound up being an underfest. That began with the St. Louis Cardinals taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates and being able to get a 4-3 to win. For the Cardinals, Jay App has really looked different for them in five starts. He has given up three runs or fewer in every one of them for the Cardinals giving up two runs in five and two-thirds innings. From there, Luis Garcia one in the third inning scoreless. Alex Reyes, a scoreless inning, landed him his twenty-ninth save of the season. And Giovanni Gallegos gives up a run in an inning for the St. Cardinals. Tommy Edmund wound up having the big hit in this one. His eighth home run of the season. That comes off of Dylan Peters, who he didn't pitch bad himself. He gives up that home run three runs in total over the course of five innings. Dwayne Underwood Jr. winds up giving up one run in two innings. And then you have Nick Mears and Chris Tran, both give you a scoreless inning. But the Pirates, who are leading the league with regards to fewest runs per game, Well, they weren't able to do a lot in this one, no home runs, but they did go 3 of 9 with men in scoring position. Was not enough, though. The Baltimore Orioles, after winning two straight games, they have now lost 20 out of their last 22 games. 6 of 3, the Tampa Bay Rays wind up taking care of them as the Rays were able to put up a three spot in the first inning off of Matt Harvey, and then Harvey was able to settle in from there. He winds up giving up three runs in the first, gave up three runs over the course of six innings, and then Tanner Scott lit this game on fire, giving up three runs in an inning, including the Tampa Bay Rays taking him deep as Mike Zanino gets his 27th home run i Shane McClellan for the 10th straight start. Gives up three runs or fewer, giving up two over the course of six innings. And then Chris Maza, a three-inning save as he winds up giving up a solo run over the course of three innings going deep for the Orioles in this one. Awesome to say his kid off of McClellan 14th home run season and Cedric Marlins is 23rd. And Marcos DiPlan was able to give the Baltimore Orioles two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Had an under with the Reds and the Marlins as the Reds completely blanked the Marlins by a count of 6-0. to zero. How about Wade Miley? Seven scoreless innings. Jeff Hoffman can completes the final two and for the Cincinnati Reds, you wind up having a pair of home runs in this one. Mike Moustakis, 6th home run season. Taylor Naquin is 19th. As Zach Thompson winds up giving up the home run to Naquin. Gives up 5 runs, only 3 of which were earned over the course of 5 innings. From there, Sean Gunther was able to give you 2 score innings, And then Paul Campbell gives up that home run to Mr. Moustakis as the Reds. All of a sudden, find themselves a couple games clear of the San Diego Padres in the wild card chase. The Detroit Tigers take on the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays scuffles in one-run games. Continues two to one the final as you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays team and they've got a run differential as currently at 112 but right now find themselves north of six games out of the wild card standings and. The big reason why is because now the Toronto Blue Jays, when it comes to one-run games, I believe that they are now 9-15. and 15, So that has really barred them. As For the Blue Jays, Stephen Mass gave a very good start. He gave up one run over the course of six innings. Adam Simmer gives you a scoreless inning. And then you wind up having Tim Baza give up a home run in the eighth that was hit by Victor Reyes as he was able to get his fourth home run of the season for the Tigers. Matt Manning was able to give you a great start as he gives up one run over the course of six innings. And unlike his last good start against the Angels. Angels, Bullpen held it down. Kyle Funkhauser, Jose Cicerano, Gregory Soto, all able to give you a scroll of saying, So the Tigers, all of a sudden, have been able to do a very good job ever since the All Star break, and the Mets, well, they have not been doing a good job since the All Star break. They are now 61-67. and 67. They lose to the Washington Nationals by a count of 2-1. to Paulo Espino gives up one solo home run over the course of his five innings going deep for the Mets. Javi Baez, 25th home run season. That's all the offense that the Mets would get as they wound up going 0-1 with Ben in scoring position and at a Total of four head says the bullpen of Andres Machado, Sam Clay, Kyle McGowan, and Kyle Finnegan wind up all giving a scoreless inning apiece. And for the Washington Nationals, they go two of nine with men in scoring position as they were able to get to Rich Hill. Hill gives up two runs over the course of five innings, then Miguel Castro, Jersey Familia, Edwin Diaz, Ethembry. I'll give you a scroll of saying, but just flat out nothing doing with this Mets offense. So they wind up losing again. Not a lot doing for the Cleveland Indians as they wind up losing to the Boston Red Sox by a count of four to three as the Red Sox put up a three spot in the eighth inning to be able to get it done. And Jonathan Arous was able to get things going with his first home run season. That comes off of James Karinchek, and Karinchek has been very shaky for the team to say the least. He wound up giving up three runs and he got as many outs as myself. Entering into the night, he had an ERA ever since the beginning of the month of July, hovering right around 5, and, well, that expanded with this. Logan Allen actually gave a surprisingly great start for the Cleveland Indians. One run given it up in six innings. He entered into this game with an ERA that was hovering right around about a 9, so that was unexpected. Alex Young gives you a scoreless saying, and Blake Parker gives you two scoreless, but for the Indians, they didn't have men on when they wound up getting their home runs. You had Jose Ramirez get his 30th home run season. And Yu Chang was able to get his 6th as it was Eduardo Rodriguez giving up both of those. Gives up 3 runs off the course of 7 innings. And then Garrett Richards and Adam Montevino come in with scoreless 8th and ninth innings to be able to get the W. In a game that you rarely see have happen, as there was a rain delay in the first inning, and that was not before first pitch, but after first pitch, the San Francisco Giants unable to get the job done against the Atlanta Braves. 6-5 the finalists. Buster Posey in the first inning, prior to the rain delay, gets the 16th home run season for Kevin Gossman. One of his best starts in quite a while, by the way. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings, but Scott Seidenberg came on this podcast, and he cautioned that The Giants bullpen had been a little bit taxed. Tony Watson comes in, gives up three runs in a third of an inning, and Zach Liddell gives up one run while going one and two-thirds innings, as he also gave up a solo home run. Going deep for the Atlanta Braves off of Liddell, that'd be Ode Solaire, 19th home run season, then Gosman will give up a home run to Adam Duvall, 28th, as for Freed, he winds up giving up a home run to Buster Posey, gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of six innings. A.J. Minter, Luke Jackson from there, both give you a scoreless inning, and then Will Smith Does give up a home run in the ninth, but it was a solo shot that was busted out by Wilmer Flores. His 16th home run season, and the Atlanta Braves cling on to dear life as they've got the best record in the National League ever since the All-Star break. Speaking of losses from National League West teams, that's exactly what we wound up seeing from the LA Dodgers as they wind up losing to the team that entered into the night with the worst win percentage on the road all season long. The Colorado Rockies by a count of 42, though, I will say. Post All-Star break, they've got more wins on the road than they did before as they wanted to begin the year 6-33 on the road. And Kyle Freeland, he has now given up three runs or fewer in 11 out of his last 12 starts. Gives up two runs, both of which were solo home runs. Going deep for the LA Dodgers in this one. Trey Turner down for what is 20th home run of the season. And then Will Smith gets jiggy with it for his 21st home run of the season. But for the Colorado Rockies, they had a tree of home runs of their own. Charlie Blackman, his second home run on the road so far this year. 10th overall on the campaign, C.J. Crone. He gets his 6th home run away from Coors Field, his 23rd overall this season, and then you wind up having Elias Diaz get his 15th home run season as for the L.A. Dodgers. It was a bullpen game for them as Brasuda Gradall winds up getting the open. He winds up giving up 2 runs in an inning. Andre 3000 Jackson, he winds up giving up 1 run over the course of 4 and 2 thirds innings with Justin Brule giving you an out of the bullpen, and then Alex Vizia and Shane Green combined for 3 innings only giving up one run, and for the Dodgers, they've been able to do a relatively solid job of holding down the fort. I believe that they have now given up three runs or fewer now for this matter. Four runs or fewer in 11 out of their last 13 games, but offense wasn't able to get going in this one. The Padres' offense was able to get going as they are way out of it now in the National League West race, but they were able to get a W by a count of 5-0 to zero over an LA Angels team that, They were trotting out there a bunch of guys that were either making their debuts or just have not been featured in general. As Joe Musgrove, he has been featured by the Dodgers a lot. Nine scoreless innings, complete game. He gives up three hits in the process. And for the Padres, he wind up going 3 of 10 with men in scoring position as getting the open in this one was Cooper Criswell. He winds up going 1 and a third innings giving up three runs, all of which were earned, and then Pecky Naughton winds up going four and a third innings. Young guy that they're hoping for some good things out of. He winds up giving up two runs, both of which were unearned. As uncharacteristically, Jose Iglesias had two errors out there in the field. From there, Jose Quijada, Sam Selman, both give you scoreless. Saying and Mike Myers, nothing funny about this for the San Diego Padres. One and a third innings scoreless and. The offense that the Angels were supposed to be getting, it was siphoned by Chicago as the White Sox put up a 17 spot against the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs, by the way, become the first team in Major League history to get six plus runs in the first inning twice in a year and then wind up by the end of the fifth inning being down by at least a touchdown. 17-13 17-13 to 13, the final as the Cubs were able to get a pair of home runs out of Patrick Wisdom, his 22nd and 23rd of the season as Craig Kimbrel gave one up to him. Kimbrel also wound up giving one up to Ian Happ. who is not hapless, his 16th home run season. And Michael Ormacea winds up getting his second home run of the year. And for the Cubs, this was a calamity as Keegan Thompson winds up going for two innings. He gives up five runs, all of which were earned. From there, you wind up having Adrian Sampson give up Four runs, only one of which was earned as Andrew Romine wound up having a pair of errors out there in the field. He wound up giving up one of the two home runs that the White Sox would be able to muster. And then from there, Michael Rucker and Rex Brothers, they combined for two innings with Rucker giving up four runs in the process. You wind up having Trevor McGill wind up coming in for a scoreless inning. So you had one of those. And then Ryan Messenger and Manuel Rodriguez combined for two innings. They give up four runs, so... That was a lot. As for the White Sox, pair of home runs in this one as Yasmani Grandal goes deep twice in his return off the injured list. His 15th and 16th home runs of the season, and Yasmani Grandal currently has a batting average of .203 with a three ninety-four on base. Not necessarily sure how that works. And for Dallas Keuchel, a night that he wants to forget. He winds up giving up six runs, five of which were earned, all of which were in that first inning. And then from there, Rinaldo Lopez, five scoreless sangs and then everyone else did not wind up doing their part. Garrett Crochet winds up giving up a run in an inning. Craig Kimbrell winds up giving up two of those home runs in his inning of work, three runs in total. Mike Wright Jr., he winds up giving up three runs in an inning as well, and it was just one of these things in which, if you wind up having the under, you probably want to take a lap. If you wind up having the over in Twins versus Brewers, you probably also want to be taking a lap. 2-0, the Minnesota Twins are able to get the job done, as William Thomas being out of the fold for the Milwaukee Brewers has certainly hurt them, as the Brewers have now scored four runs or fewer in each of their last three games, so they have certainly been hurt by that, but take a look at Eric Lauer and wasn't able to give a lot of length. Wasn't necessarily ineffective, but he was just trying to evade danger all night long. Four and two-thirds innings, he winds up giving up two runs, including Omer going deep for the Minnesota Twins. Josh Donaldson, his 20th home run season. From there, the bullpen did their part, as Hunter Strickland, Daniel Norris, both give you a squirrel of and Jake Cousins, able to give you four outs out of the bullpen, but for the Brewers, just five hits in this one, as Andrew Albers making his first start since 2017 Had spent the last few years out there in the MPB in Japan. I know that he also wanted pitching in the KBO for a few years as well. Five and a third inning scoreless. Jorge Alcala from there was able to give you a scoreless saying Danny Colombe one And a third inning scoreless Ty Duffy gives you a down out of the bullpen. And then Alex Colme was able to give you a of inning. So that was one that was not necessarily expected. The Philadelphia Phillies finally get a win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Their first of the campaign as it took 11 innings to be able to do so. Seven to six a final for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They were down two runs going into the top of the ninth inning. And they were able to get those two runs as it was very fascinating as Mr. Christian Walker gets his seventh home run season. That comes off of Ian Kennedy, who has not been good since getting traded from the Texas Rangers to the Philadelphia Phillies. He's got north of a sixty ERA with the Phillies. He winds up giving up two runs in an inning and Aaron Supernola, I wouldn't say he was super, but he certainly wasn't super bad. Gives up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. Connor Brogdon gives you one and two-thirds innings. Scoreless. Hector Nares is able to chip in there. A scoreless inning. And then Ennio De Los Santos pitches both the 10th and 11th innings. Gives up two runs, one of which is earned. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Bryce Harper gets his 25th home run season. And Brad Miller chips in his 13th as Miller's home run was in the 10th inning to be able to extend this game. That comes off of the ancient one, Tyler Clippard, who winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in his extra inning. And then Taylor Clark in the 11th gives up the unearned run that costs the team the game as Taylor Widener, not a bad turn in this one. Two runs given up over the course of five innings. Matt Peacock gives up two runs, one of which was earned in his two innings of work, and Jake Feria along J.P. Wendoken, they both give you a scoreless inning. Things were not necessarily scoreless for the New York Yankees as they wind up cranking out the deep ball against the Oakland A's. Eight to two the final, and the Yankees have now won thirteen straight games. So Baker sells as Giancarlo Santin is twenty-fourth home run season, Aaron Judge's twenty eighth home run season, Luke Voit is eighth, and Kyle Igashioka is. For those of us that wind up having the under, like I gave up for the New York Post, his home run pushed it over his ninth of the season, but Garrett Cole, he was masterful. In three starts coming off the COVID IL, he has given up a combined one run. In those, he goes six scoreless innings in this one. Joey Rodriguez winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in his relief appearance as Joey Gallo wanted making an error out there in the field. But Chad Green gets five outs out of the bullpen, and Lucas Lutke was able to give you a scoreless signing. As for the Oakland A's. Sean wound up getting lit up. He winds up giving up three out of those four home runs. Five runs in total over the course of four and a third innings. The bullpen from there, other than Birch Smith, who gave up three runs in an inning, did their part. A.J. Puck, along with Jake Diekman, both a scoreless inning. And Deolis Carrera, who I think is a little bit underrated, one and two-thirds inning scoreless as the Oakland A's go just one of nine with men in scoring position, so they had their trials and tribulations there, and you also had trials and tribulations if you wound up taking the Texas Rangers as they don't quite get there. Five to four of the final. Cover the run line, but in this one for the Houston Astros, they were able to get some good defensive play to be able to hold on as Jake Odorizzi. He winds up giving up a home run, two runs in total over the course of five innings, going deep for the Texas Rangers. Andy Ibanez, who has actually been relatively solid, he winds up being able to get his sixth home run season Phil Main, gives up two runs in an inning, but then Yimi Garcia, Ryan Stammen and Ryan Presley. I'll give you a scoreless saying for the Astros. They go 3 of 9 with men in scoring position as it was actually a really, really good start in this one out of Glenn Otto. 5 scoreless innings in his debut with the Texas Rangers. From there, the bullpen lit this game on fire. Brad Martin gives up three runs in an inning. Jarrell Cohn gives up two runs in an inning. You wind up having Wes Benjamin and DeMarcus Evans both give you a scoreless inning, but man, that Texas Rangers really wound up letting the team down. And speaking of being a little bit let down, if you wound up thinking that this Mariners versus Royals game was going to wrap up at a timely fashion, well, it was not to be as. I am currently doing this, and the game is still going on. I have to post this up by midnight Pacific, and... It is six to six after ten innings for the Kansas City Royals. They wind up having Chris with the K Bubich come in. He gives up five runs over the course of four and a third innings. And the man that I've wound up doing a preview of starting, so we're gonna be making some changes with this one in the morning. Carlos Hernandez, five and two thirds innings in relief as of right now, with one unearned run. So he has been nails, and that's putting it very politely. As Salvador Perez winds up going deep in this one, a grand slam off of Logan Gilbert. His thirty-sixth home run season for Logan Gilbert winds up giving up five runs and four innings in the bullpen. From there, for the Seattle Mariners, as on their part, Sean Doolittle, Casey Sadler, Matt Andrees, Drew Second Writer, Paul Seawalt, all come in for a Second Rider and Seawald. They pretty much combined for two innings. Andreas Sadler, Doolittle, All Squirrel of and Eric Swanson has given up an unearned run in an inning. So, the preview that you are going to hear later on in the podcast for Royals versus Mariners with me having Carlos Hernandez as a trustworthy guy, well, that's going to be changed in the morning on the spreadsheet, so that is going to be something that is going to be very fascinating. What else is very fascinating is just taking a look at what we're all getting in Major League Baseball right now as we have seen favorites just come in in droves all year long. But if you're looking over the last 30 days, favorites, 255 and 139, obviously, with Royals versus Mariners pending. That's a 64.7% clip. Home teams in that time span, hitting only about 52.5%, 208 and 189. If you're looking at overs and unders over the last three days, 194 unders, 182 overs, including this Royals versus Mariners game. So hitting a little bit north of 51.5% with regards to the under. If you're looking just over the last seven days, favorites. 57, and 29. That is a 66.5% rate. Home teams are, by the way, 41 and 46 with this Mariners game pending. And then if you're looking at overs and unders, 43 unders to 38 overs. So right around 53.5% of games over the last seven days have gone under the total. And for the season, we have seen a couple more unders and overs. 917 unders, 910 overs in this time span for the entire year. Favorites, 59.9% 59.9% at rate, 1,137, 762. Home teams, 1,047 and 869. So they're winning about 54.6% of the time. So that's what we all saw in Major League Baseball on Friday. And that's what we're all seeing trend-wise. Now let's turn the page forward to Saturday and let's get on our man Jason Reitowitz of SBR, AK Sportsbook Review to be able to take a look at these games and the betting board for this wonderful Saturday. And that is coming up next right here on the Baseball Winning Podcast with myself, Jake Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network hotline.
1: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is always great to be joined by this guest as he does an incredible job. And he is a man that is now wearing a whole bunch of ads. He does a show Monday through Friday for SBRAK Sportsbook Review looking at the day's MOB betting boards. He also does a great job with the game day MOB. For more of his football coverage, you're able to find that on covers at Betting Pros NFL. He does a little bit of everything over there at Odds Checker. I hear that in his spare time, he spells hot dogs at the hot dog stand as well as this man does a little bit of everything, guys. It's Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at his name. easy enough, Jason underscore Radowitz. And Jason, you're a busy man, so I always appreciate you taking some time out. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, of course. And look, it's Friday, so all those extra curricular different articles I've had to you know write for the football season that's starting up. Those articles are usually you know Tuesday, Wednesday. You want to get them out before Friday. So a little bit more time on my hands. Yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of people will ask, like, do you make a real living doing this? You know, are you are you full time? Are you making enough money? This and that. Well I mean, right there, you just saw I'm writing for five different companies. Yeah, I'm definitely making full-time income doing this and doing what I love.
1: Oh, absolutely. And so many people ask, like, when I'm up at late hours of the night, how hard is it? And I always tell them, I would much rather be doing this rather than, like, shoveling coal or (laughs) having to worry about messing up people's taxes and everything like that. And trust me, you don't want me handling your taxes. You'd rather me (laughs) handling your baseball and college basketball bets and With that said, I know that you're out there in the great state of New York, and we've got a pair of New York teams that are going in complete and utter opposite directions. For the New York Mets, things are going really, really bad, but the good news is they've got the Washington Nationals in town, so that should, keyword should, get them right. Meanwhile, you've got a Yankees team that entered into yesterday, having won a dozen straight games now. It feels like every one of those wins has been a roller coaster, but 12 wins in a row is 12 wins in a row, so it certainly has been. Interesting. How have you just been gauging both of these teams? Because obviously, this Yankees versus A series is a big one for both of them. Meanwhile, for the Mets, they are just looking to get right against a team in which well, with the Washington Nationals, there's not much left.
2: Hey, yeah, look, the National League East, yeah, it's been a disaster, right? The Braves look a lot better, you know, since the deadline. They made a lot of moves. And those moves are paying off. And, of course, they got some, you know, guys back, like Travis Darnot, back in the mix, and, you know, Max is back as well. So that's fun. And, you know, the Phillies and the Mets, both those two teams have had plenty of chances to get back into the National League East race. And, of course, both of those two teams went 2-8 and eight in the last 10 games. Before those Friday games, so really, really bad for the Phillies and Mets. But with that, though, we're still in August. It's not September just yet. You know, both teams have a chance to win the NL East, and so you never know. Look, the Braves are playing the Giants in a three-game series. So if the Mets want to gang up on the Nationals and win three games, and and the Giants want to beat the Braves, the Mets will be right back in the NL East. And they also have, of course, the Phillies. They're playing the Diamondbacks. So why can't they win a couple of games too and they'll get in the mix in the NL East? So it's still wide open, in my opinion. Yeah, the Braves look a lot better. Usually the best team in the NL East for now, but it's still wide open. And then of course, when you look to the American League East, and that's obviously the best division in all of baseball. You have the Yankees, you have the Red Sox, and you have the Blue Jays. They're all fighting for first place. So the Blue Jays, for example, they would be in easy contention in the NL East, but in the AL East they're you know, thirteen games out right now and mm-hmm. from the Rays. And the Rays they're one game away from getting that eighty win mark there. So yeah, it's a great race in the AL East. The Yankees look fantastic. They've won 12 straight games. Yeah, the Yankees, they're looking really good. They made a lot of great moves. Now they have a balanced lineup compared to what they had earlier on in the season. They were only a right-handed lineup. And now, if you look at you know their lineup when they're facing a right-handed pitcher, they'll have Gallo, they'll have Rizzo, they'll have Odor, who's actually better against lefties for whatever reason. And then Velasquez right now taking over shortstop for the time being. He's a switch hitter, and he's been Pretty good against right-handed pitching. So there's a lot to like in this Yankees lineup. They got a lot better. Their pitching looks pretty good in the starting rotation. Uh, that's improved, especially with Jameson doing some good there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun for the Yankees right now. They're doing really well and you know they're definitely gonna, you know, be in the playoffs. Can they win the AL East? I don't know. The Rays are gonna be tough. The Red Sox with Chris Sale being back, that helps a ton but it's going to be a fun race regardless. Yeah, the Yankees look really good right
1: now. Yeah, it is going to be a really fun race out there in the American League playoff picture as the Boston Red Sox are clinging to dear dear life for a wild card spot. The Seattle Mariners somehow, someway are still in it. I never thought I'd be saying this in late August with their run differential and other various factors, but here we are, as we do have Jason Reidowitz joining me on the podcast, and I know that you were talking about that NL East race, one that is currently controlled by the Atlanta Braves, but as you mentioned... The San Francisco Giants come to town as we are doing this. There's currently no lines up on this game, but the San Francisco Giants are going to be going with one of the guys I feel like has really been an under-the-radar gem in Logan Webb. Two runs or fewer given up in each of his last 12 games. The team is 11-1 in those last 12 games. Meanwhile, You Yanoa is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. It was looking like Drew Smiley and said you're going to be getting Yanoa, in my opinion, even though the Braves are something ridiculous like 12-1 in Smiley's last 13 starts. This is an upgrade because in that time span, you've got Smiley with right around a 3-5 ERA. Ever since Yanoa has come off of the injured list, he's looked relatively solid. But how do you wind up gauging this one? Because I do think that it's an interesting spot, and with Yanoa, He has looked very good since coming off the injured list, but obviously it's been a small sample size as well.
2: You know, it's funny, you know, not just a great pitcher, but also a fantastic hitter as you saw earlier this season. But no, Logan Webb has been fantastic all season long for the Giants. And obviously the Giants have been one of the best teams in baseball because of their starting pitching. The relief pitching has done pretty solid and offensively they're able to you know, match up lefty-righty splits. And so teams are able to do all that and hit a bunch of home runs. Yeah, they're going to be a top team in the league. You know, that's what the game is kind of turning to. If you're not hitting home runs, you can't win games. Just look at the Mets, for example. We can go back to the Mets. They're not hitting home runs. They're putting balls in play. They're getting guys on base, but they're not getting those, you know, big home runs, those big RBIs with runners on. And that's why they're losing. The Mets don't have the worst offense ever. They just can't score with guys on base, and also they're not hitting clutch hits. And of course, lastly, again, they're not hitting home runs. Well, the Giants, I believe that they lead the league in home runs. That's why right now they currently have 83 wins, and they lead the Dodgers in their division. Padres. They're way out now, 16 games out. So that's something that's a little bit surprising in that division. But again, if you're not hitting home runs, you're not going to be able to win games in this era of baseball. When the Giants are able to you know, go lefty-righty splits and, and find guys with extreme power against you know maybe a lefty against righties or vice versa that's huge and that's what the giants are able to do that's what the rays are able to do that's what the dodgers are able to do they're able to take different guys off the bench when they're facing the lefty and then they have guys that you know smack lefties as right-handed batter and vice versa and that's again why teams are able to win these games and so that's why the giants are really good and why they are not a fluke whatsoever they're hitting home runs and they got great
1: pitching To your point, with the San Francisco Giants, 1.7 home runs per game on the road. No other team in the big leagues has more than 1.5. So it has been absolutely amazing to watch the offense be be able to come through for them. And what else has been absolutely amazing is that going into Friday, the Philadelphia Phillies did not want a game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I didn't know how that was humanly possible, but you've got Kyle Gibson who's going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies. Total on this game of nine. How do you wind up gauging something like this where the Philadelphia Phillies, which they're obviously not the greatest team in the league, but they're certainly far from the world's biggest bums as well. They've been vastly different at home than they have been on the road. It's just been getting completely lambasted by the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is a team that really, other than when they play against the San Diego Padres, has been so bad all year long. Do you take credence into something like that, or do you chalk that up as a little bit more of a fluke?
2: On paper, it does look like a fluke because there's times where – the Phillies, their offense looks really good on paper, and then they don't show up. Or you know their starters, they're you know supposed to pitch well against the Diamondbacks' offense. It's really not that great this year. And then for some reason they just struggle. And of course the bullpen, you know, matches up well with the Diamondbacks. Both are you know pretty poor bullpens. But you know this is a game on Saturday. Humberto Mejia will take the mound. For the Diamondbacks, I'm pretty sure he played for the Marlins not too long ago. If that was even last year, so maybe the Phillies have seen him before. Some of those bats have seen him before. You know, I assume maybe the Phillies have seen Mahia a little bit. So if that were to be the case, I'd probably probably would would lean the Phillies here. You know, Kyle Gibson still he yeah, has struggled a little bit with the Phillies, but still a 3.06 ERA, still obviously the better pitcher when it comes to this game. So yeah, I like the Phillies, but I said I like the Phillies in you know, most of the games that they play with the Diamondbacks this year. And it hasn't really worked into my favor.
1: This is certainly an interesting spot for the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that needs every single win that they can get. As we do have Jason Rito, who does a terrific job with SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, and so many others joining me right here on the podcast. And we were talking about the Yankees a little bit earlier. They've got Nestor Cortez going to the mound against Frankie Montas. As I'm seeing it right now, the Yankees about a minus 130 favor with a total of 8.5. I think that this is a really interesting spot with Frankie Montas you sort of know what you're going to get. He's probably going to go something like five or six innings, and he's probably going to give up three runs. He might wind up giving up two, but he's unlikely to give up really anything more than three. So you relatively know what you're going to get there. With the A's, Lou Trevino has been a little bit shaky out there in the bullpen, but as we know, Raldo Chapman has certainly had his, shall we say, ups and downs in the ninth inning as well. So I think that this is a curious spot. Not sure how you wind up evaluating this game, but I do think that it's one of the more interesting ones for Saturday.
2: Yeah, you know this—you know this entire series is really interesting because you have the Yankees and they've been red hot. You have the Athletics and they've been, you know, ice cold. They haven't been able to win many games as of late. And uh, you know, to your point, that's kind of why the Mariners are still kind of hanging around. I think they're two and eight in their last ten games before Friday's game, of course, against the Yankees with Garrett Cole in the mound. So. That makes things even harder. We'll see how that game plays out. But yeah, you know, to your point, the Yankees should be able to get the job done, although Montez has been really good this season for the most part on the year. So you know, for this game, I would ride the hot team, but obviously the better pitcher on the athletics still would ride the hot team.
1: Yeah, I don't blame me there. It certainly has been a case in which the New York Yankees, they just find a different way to win every single night. It has been a whole lot of fun to watch. What else has been a whole lot of fun to watch? Cal Quantrill in the way that he's been able to pitch for the Cleveland Indians. Right now we're finding the Boston Red Sox as a minus 160 favorite with Nathan Eovaldi going on the mound for them. I feel like Cal Quantrill's really been under the radar. This is a guy that has given up one run or fewer in six out of his last seven starts. Guy has been turning gem after gem. We saw him in that Little League World Series, for lack of a better term, game of Williamsport. And he looked tremendous against the LA Angels. I'm not sure about you, but... I think there might be some value here with the Cleveland Indians. I know that the season hasn't gotten the world's greatest for them, but they certainly have found something here in Quantrill.
2: You know what's funny? Earlier on in the season, Quantrill took on the Baltimore Orioles, and I took the under in that game because I was a big fan of Quantrill you know, before the season began. I thought he had a lot of potential, and he went out and pitched absolutely terrible against the Orioles. It was like an April or May start. I think the Orioles ended up scoring maybe, <laughs> like I, um, I kid <laughs> you not, maybe like, 15, 17 runs in that game. I remember that. Yeah, I was on the under in the first five innings. So you can imagine how I was feeling there. And I never bet a Quantrill start again. And now, of course, he's doing exactly what I expected him to do in that start. But to your point, yeah, I agree. Quantrill really is a great pitcher. He's turning the corner. Looks really good. And yeah, there's value on the Indians. Their offense is getting a lot better. In the middle of the lineup, you still have Rosario, Ramirez, and Reyes. All three of them have been pretty red hot as of late. Can't really go wrong there. The Indians are still over 500. They're not a terrible team. So, you know, teams are above 500, I still think they get the job done, although they don't have the best offense in baseball. I think in the middle of the order, they're doing some damage. I guess I can't get all, go unnoticed.
1: Yeah, it certainly has been great to be able to watch the Indians be able to get a little bit of something going with Quantrill. Hey, with Jose Ramirez and Fred Mill Race, the offense has been a little bit fun to watch as well for the Indians. Just an issue of having Shane Bieber out for them that has certainly cost them this season as we do have jason reidowitz joining me on the podcast and jason we've talked about a couple of the games that are coming up for saturday is there anything else that's standing out for you whether it be something that you're looking to make a bet on for saturday or something that you want to just gauge in general for just things moving forward
2: yeah you know it's a very weird plate of games what i usually do i'm usually out there fading really bad pitchers, guys that you just expect to get absolutely lit up and my thing is taking overs in the first five that kind of became my thing once I was introduced to it on a couple of the legal sports books in New Jersey. And ever since then, I haven't really you know, gotten away from it. But on the slate for these games, there aren't that many terrible pitchers on the mound, which makes it for a pretty interesting you know, slate. I think, for one, the Astros, they got more healthy with Alex Bregman back into the lineup. They'll take on Colby Allard, that's like a 4.86 ERA. So there might be some value there. The Astros are one of the better teams when they're on against lefties. They've had stretches this year where they struggled against lefties. They've had stretches where they've destroyed lefties. And so I think Allard's an option for the Ashers to do some damage. So I might look there for Saturday. Really there's nobody else that's that bad on the slate. Maybe Sean Nolan, but can't really trust the Mets offense Mm -hmm. against anyone right now. So yeah, like I was saying, it's gonna be tough. Charlie Barnes also on the mound for the twins. You know, it looks like it's just a bunch of lefties on the mound that you might want to fade here. But yeah, there's not much to like on this slate. You know, I'll dig into it a little bit deeper in the morning, but uh, I guess those three lefties would be players I would look to fade.
1: Yeah, it certainly has been rough sledding here for the New York Mets recently, and at the same time, do you really want to take a shot on Sean Nolan and the Washington Nationals? I think that I'm probably not going to wind up taking a shot on the Washington Nationals. Always take a shot on bringing you on this podcast, Jason, though, because you do absolutely terrific work. You're doing now work at a whole bunch of different places because the football season is coming up. I know that you recently joined Covers with their college football coverage. I know you're doing some work with the game day over there for MLB coverage. I know that you're going to be doing a couple other things as well as I know you do work with Oz Checker you're able to throw on their SBR every Monday through Friday as well. So love the good people at home know what they're all able to expect from you. And Hey, I know that in preparation of I hate this term week zero of college football, they should just call it opening week or something like that. That's a rant for another day, but I know you're going to have some stuff for that. And so much more.
2: Yeah, exactly. College football beginning and also the NFL will start up pretty shortly. So I'll be doing content all over the place on all of those sites that we talked about earlier. It'll be lots of fun. So, but, uh, Right now, I'm still big into baseball. Stick with that going through the playoffs with the MLB. But of course, I'll be back and doing some college football and NFL as well. With the same amount of you know, dollars per unit, should be lots of fun. You know, with the COVID thing, it's going to be hard to make plays in football, and just like in college basketball, it's going to be tough to make plays until the day of because you just don't know what's going to happen when it comes to the Delta variant. But you can look for official plays on my Twitter in college football and the NFL on basically the day of. So college football on Saturday. NFL on Sunday, I'll have official plays given out with analysis, of course, on my Twitter page. And, you know, for now, still have MLB uh, up on Twitter and all on the shows and different articles on a daily basis. So you can find all that content on my Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z.
1: Yep, it certainly is a little bit of a challenge. But at the very least, things are a little bit more rosy this year on the COVID front than they were last year. We're going to have fans back in the stands. We're going to have fewer disruptions. We're going to have fewer guys out at the very least. We hope and pray with all these variants that are popping up and everything like that. But I know that Jason is going to do a great job of navigating through all this. He does a great job with MLB. He does a great job with all forms of football when college basketball comes back. I know he's going to be doing a tremendous job as well, and he always does a great job when he joins this podcast. So, big thanks to Jason for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast, they give you sign turtle on every game on the betting board for this Saturday and a little something like a call, touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
1: We're back here, Lovey Las Vegas, for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to be joined by Jason Rado. It's doing a great job over there with SBR, aka Sportsbook Review, Odds Checker, the Game Day MLB betting pros, NFL covers. List goes on and on. And he brought it once again on the podcast today. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time. Of the podcast to give you signed turtle on every game on the betting board for this Saturday and a little something like call touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch em
1: all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Jaren's 41. As per usual, We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then American League games, and then any Interleague games are going to be at the bottom. And first game up is that first National League game, 951-952 on the banking board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies as you've got Kyle Gibson, who's going to be going for the Phillies. Meanwhile, you've got Mr. Mejia, Umberto Mejia, going for the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Diamondbacks. Find themselves anywhere between plus 185 and plus 190. Underdogs meanwhile, with the Phillies, anywhere between minus 207 and minus 225, as your tolerance game is nine. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Overs anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. Obviously, a small sample size for Mejiaz. He has made one start so far this year. Gave up two runs in five innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates in a loss, and this is someone that throughout his career has made four career starts, so it's really a jury's out situation. Taking a look at him in the minor leagues, not a guy that necessarily gives up a ton of of hard contact, but at the same time, he can have some command issues, so... You do have some concerns there. Meanwhile, with Kyle Gibson, he's been very solid ever since coming over to the Philadelphia Phillies. I do fear that a little bit of regression is going to be setting him from, as he's made five total appearances for the Phillies. A three seventy seven ERA. Nothing great, nothing terrible. His strikeout to walk rate, that's right around 1.6, so he needs to pick that up a little bit, but he's been able to do a good job of be able to keep the ball in the yard all year long across his 24 total appearances. He's given up 11 home runs at 144 innings, and that's across all stadiums, so he's been able to hold it down there, and he's back up. I've that To say that it's great would certainly be lying to you, but they do have a couple guys like Archie Bradley, JD Hammer, that I do like. Ian Kennedy, since being brought over in that deal that also sent Kyle Gibson to Texas, has been a little bit rough. And then you take a look at this Philadelphia Philly team, and we were mentioning it with Jason Radowitz. They just have not played well against the Arizona Diamondbacks prior to yesterday and not won a game against them all year long, but do have quite a few guys getting on base for you, as you've got Ronald Torres, Travis Janikowski, JT Riemito, Udu Barrera, all in between about a 250. And a 265 for this punch, Bryce Harper, 415 on base. He has been absolutely amazing. It's just a shame that among his 24 home runs, 19 of them are solo shots. Gene Segura, he's hitting about a 290 for this punch. Need a little bit more on a DD Gregorius, hitting at 220, but by and large, the offense is getting the job done, and this is a Philadelphia Phillies team that heading into yesterday just so much better home to road. They entered yesterday 36 and 28 at home, 27 and 36 on the road, and this is a Diamondbacks bunch that their 17 and 49 road record that is the second worst out there in the National League. That is second only to the Colorado Rockies as. For the Diamondbacks, they've got only two guys on the roster with a double-digit amount of formers, Smith and Joshua Roas. These two guys are in between about a 265 to a 275, so they've been able to cut it, but then you've got a bunch of guys like Dalton Varshow, Nick Amah, Josh Van Meter hitting between about a 215 to a 230. They've been trotting out there, some just interesting combinations in the outfield. Jake McCarthy wound up getting a start yesterday, so they're clearly trying to give some of these guys a shot at this point. And for the Diamondbacks, this is a bullpen that is shot. You've got Matt Peacock, Jake Ferry, a Failed starters that are becoming failed relievers. Tyler Clippard the ancient one, has actually been able to give you some good innings. Long J.B. Wendelkin, but someone like De Geis has a north of six ERA. It's hard to have a lot of faith in these guys. When I take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, I think that they should be a very sizable favorite. And if you're taking a look at the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies, we that anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 115. I was willing to play a whole like, a lot more juice there. So I'm going to be taking a look at that. As my threshold on that run line was more like about a minus 130. And this is the spot in which I wound up saying this are still at 8.8. Because I just don't think the Diamondbacks are going to be able to generate much offense. So going under along with that run line of the Phillies. 953, 954 on the banking board. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing with the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati. And they are on to Vladimir Gutierrez getting the start. Meanwhile, Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the Fish. If you're looking to get some fish in your betting diet, it's anywhere between even money and as good as a plus 106. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Reds, anywhere between minus 114 and minus 120. 8 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And if you're looking at a it, 7.5, over is minus 120, and the under is even. I want to say the all at 7.4, so we're certainly going to be taking a look at an under. And with all Alcantara, he's been able to do a very good job in Miami Question is whether or not the offense is going to be able to generate any runs from you. Take a look at what Alcantara has been able to do, and he has been pretty darn rock solid. This is someone that's got a sub three ERA whenever he's been at home. Has done a tremendous job of just being able to keep down hard contact in general, giving up less than a home run per nine innings overall for the season. He's been able to do a little bit of a better job with the walks as well, just right around two point eight walks per nine inning. When he's at home, he's got a one in five record despite his two forty three ERA, while giving up six home runs in seventy seven to two thirds innings at opponents during a buck ninety. So, he certainly has been able to get the job done. Then you take a look at Mr. Gutierrez, and the Reds have been very, very good in his recent starts. They have lost two of his starts ever since the beginning of the month of July. That is over the course of nine starts, so that tells you where he's at. He has given up two runs or fewer in eight of them as well. He wound up having a little bit of a clunker against the Mets past that. He has really been able to do a good job in the Bats have been able to support him as well. And you take a look at Gutierrez on the road. 292 area. 6-1 record in 9 starts. 5 home runs surrendered at 51 in the 3rd innings. And opponents are at a, a 2 off of him. So he's been at his best away from Cincinnati. Then you take a look at this Red team. They have been dealing with a couple injuries. As Jesse Winker saw the full potato, Naquin has filled in very well from. He, Jonathan India, Joey Votto. All in between about a 272 to a 280 with Votto. He is leading the league in home runs ever since the All-Star break. You wound up getting Naquin his 19th last Night, and you've got Jonathan India, he's got a 390 on base. Kyle Farmer, along with Tucker Barnard, these guys are in right around 262, 265. Whenever Tyler Stevenson is out there, he's hitting well above a 280. And then Nicassianos, how about him? 20 plus home runs, 320 batting average. Ian Yohunyo Suarez and Mike Busakis are coming back for this team as well. Then you take a look at the Miami Marlins, and Aces Aguiar has done a great job of being able to drive in runs. 89 RBI entering into yesterday. He's been able to hit about a 260 for this bunch. and got a lot of guys hitting between about a 242 250. Jazz Chislam, Jorge Alfaro, Brian Anderson, Asus Sanchez, and then got Brian De La Cruz who's hitting a 350. Miguel Ross hitting about a 270. But these guys just are not necessarily generating a lot of power outside of Asus Aguiar. You really have nobody other than Chislam that has been able to give this team a double digit amount of homers. You did have Adam Duvall. Obviously, he wound up getting traded away at the deadline. So you take those two out of the fold. And among guys that are currently on the active roster, nobody else has more than seven home runs. So I will say this for the Miami Merlins. Top 10 team with regards to bullpen, ERA, Richard Blyer, Anthony Bender, even Dylan Floro. These guys have been solid. Stephen O'Kirt has an ERA. That's already right around at two one five as well. Then you take a look at the Reds and the bullpen has been much better for this team recently. They picked up Michael Givens and Luis Sessa at the trade deadline. They are still without TJ Antone. It looked like he was coming off the injured list. Wound up getting re-injured, so that's been a little bit tough for them, but being able to get back Lucas Sims as well should be able to help out this bunch. I wound up saying the Reds as a minus 126 favorite because I think both of these pitch are going to be relatively solid, but I have more faith in the Reds' bets, so I'm going to be taking the Reds on the money line, and I'm going to be taking this total under as well. 955, 956 on the bagging board. The Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be playing us to the St. Louis Cardinals. Wayno, Adam Rayner, going to be going for the cards. Stephen Braultz is going to be on the bump for the Buckos. If you're looking to walk the plank with the Pirates, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 160. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the cards, anywhere between minus 173 and minus 180, 8 to 8.5 is your total. On the 8, overs between minus 115 and minus 120, unders between minus 105 and even money. Meanwhile, on the 8.5, the under is minus 125, and the over is plus 105, and spot in which I wound up saying the so at 7.1, so we're certainly going to be taking a look at an under in this spot. You take a look at Adam Wainwright, and he certainly has not been the same guy home to road. Adam Wainwright overall for the year, though, he has come up big in clutch spots. You take a look at him being able to put up 12 wins so far this season, and on the road, it's still not bad enough. 4-1-2 ERA compared to a 2.58 at home, 5-2 record on the road. He has given up eight home runs over the course of 52 and two-thirds innings, and bonus just a 2.29 off of him. Now, Genesis Cabrera out there in the bullpen for the St. Louis Cardinals has been a hot mess recently, but Alex Reyes is still a guy that I have a little bit of faith in. Giovanni Gallegos has been able to do a solid job, and Quan Young Kim, if you need to go long relief, he is able to be that super reliever, and TJ McFarlane has been able to give the team a sub-2 ERA to my surprise, and for Stephen brawls he has looked very good in his starts. He has made thus far this here four starts and he's given up two runs of fear in every one of them he has faced off against the Cardinals twice across his two starts he's given up three runs over the course of nine innings so this is someone that's been able to do a good job of holding down the fort he has given up two home runs and four walks across 18 and two-thirds innings not much of a swing and miss guys so you're able to rely upon five strong from him now the question becomes the bullpen of the Pittsburgh Pirates David Bernard has been able to give you a little bit of something, and Jason Shreve, Chris Wren, these guys were relatively solid, but you're currently without a gentleman that has been relied upon all year long in Kyle Crick, so that means that you're looking to Nick Mears. Chad Cool has become a reliever for them. Kyle Keller, these guys have not been great, and then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you do have a guy that's able to do a very good job, of be able to put back the ball, that is Brian Reynolds. Reynolds has been able to go deep north of 20 times, hitting above a 300 for this bunch, so he has certainly been able to do it, and ever since they picked up Michael Javis, he's been able to give this team a couple home runs. He is showing a little bit of a sign of life and now they've got Colin Moran off the injured list. He's hitting at 285. You've got Yoshi Setsugo who's hit four home runs over the last two weeks. Ben Gamel, Cabrian Ace. Both of these guys are hitting at 250 overall for the year. The Pirates dead with regards to runs per game but it seems to be clicking for them. Meanwhile you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals ever since the beginning of the month of June. This team has scored the second fewest runs out there in the National League. Got a lot of guys hitting between about a 245 to a 265 in Umando Sosa, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, Yadier Molina, Tommy Edmond. You're able to throw in there Nolan Arenado and Arenado leading the way with 26 home runs, but you really have a bunch of guys that haven't necessarily been able to do a good job in clutch spots. Now Paul Goldschmidt, hitting well above a 300 ever since the beginning of the month of July. His power has been picking up Tyler O'Neill has been able to give you 21 home runs as well, but this seamless Cardinals bullpen is looking a little bit shaky. I think that Peralta is going to be able to give a good start. I was willing to take the Pirates as long as I was getting north of plus 140, so going to be taking a shot on the to go along with this under. 957, 958 on the betting board. You've got the Washington Nationals in the road. face-off gets the New York Mets. Marcus Stroman going to be going for the Nets. Sean Nolan is going to be on the bump for the Nats. Nats are finding themselves anywhere between plus 175 and plus 193. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Mets, that's anywhere between minus 208 and minus 212. 8.5 is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Interesting spot here with Marcus Stroman going because he has actually been a little bit worse in New York rather than on the road, but Sean Nolan is not necessarily a guy that I want to be trusting my money, and we were talking about this with our good friend Jason Radowitz, and it has just been a hot mess for the Washington Nationals, to say the least. Sean Nolan has won 7 innings, and he's given up 14 hits, and has given up 7 runs and 2 homers. That is not necessarily what you want. You take a look at his minor league numbers, and he was getting shelled there as well. Marcus Stroman deserves much better than a 9-12 and record, by the way. A two eighty five ERA with a 9-12 and record is obscene. At home, two ninety seven ERA. Across 12 starts, he's given up 4 home runs in 60 and 2 thirds innings at City Field. Opponents are getting 260 off of him, but he's been able to keep down the walks as well. And you take a look at this actual lineup at Juan Soto. Doing an amazing job of getting on base. He and Josh Bell between 19 and 21 home runs apiece with Soto right around a 440 on base. Now he has certainly been able to do his job with Josh Bell. He, Carter Key Boom. you're able to throw in there. Mr. Adams, their catcher, hitting between a 245 to a 260, but Luis Garcia along with Victor Robles, Lane Thomas. These guys are hitting below a 225 for the season though I will say ever since Thomas got to Washington It's been a little bit better. I'll see these Escobar giving you a tad bit of something for the Mets. Can someone get a hit in crunch time for this team? Because that's been the thing with them. They don't necessarily have the world's worst lineup. They just can't hit with men on base. It's as if they put on a blindfold whenever a man gets on second. I have no idea how or why, but Brandon Nemo, thinking about a two ninety five for this team. you got Pete Alonzo along with Javi Baez. Both of these guys are able to combine for right around 53 home runs. With Baez, he's hitting right around two forty five. and you've got a lot of guys like this. With Baez, you're able to throw in their Tom Smith Francisco Lindor, Thomas Nito, list goes on and on of guys in between about a 225 to a 245. But then you've got JD Davis sitting at 290, Pete Alonso sitting at 260, and this Mets bullpen has been the markum of consistency so far this year. Aaron Loop has a sub 1.5 ERA. That gets nearly at a 1 at this point. Trevor May, South Lugo, these guys have been able to give you some good innings. And for the Washington Nationals, I will say Kyle Finnegan has been able to do a solid job for the team. Ryan Harper has an ERA that's hovering right around a buck 70. Even a guy like Patrick Murphy is able to give you a little bit of self- Thing, but I have zero faith here in Sean Nolan, and I do think that we're going to have Marcus Stroman give a very good start. When it comes to the run line with the New York Metropolitans, I was willing to lay a relatively solid one. I'm finding this anywhere between even money and as bad as a minus 107. I'm certainly all aboard that. When it comes to the total, I set it at 8.7 because I do think that the Mets are going to be able to get to Nolan and company, so we're going to be going over a lot of that Mets. Run line, 959, 960 on the betting board. This is my New York Post play of the day. you got the San Francisco Giants as they hit the red face-off against the Atlanta Braves who's and Noah is going to be going for the Braves. Logan Webb is going to be on the bump for the San Francisco Giants. With the San Francisco Giants, they are my New York Post play of the day. Right now, as I'm doing it, we've got no numbers, but we've got a situation in which you wind up having the San Francisco Giants as a very slight favorite with Kevin Gosman on the mound, and I personally made this Giants minus 140. If for some reason the Giants are north of a minus 140, which is not going to happen, by the way, then I would need to retract it, but it certainly is not going to happen. Like I mentioned, I also set this all at 8.8 reason why I'm going to be going with the Giants in this spot, how about what Logan Webb has been able to do? In his last 12 starts, he's given up two runs or fear and he's 11-1 in those starts. Opponents are eating about a buck 98 off of him in this time span. He's got a 163 ERA. He's been nothing short of amazing. Now, the Giants bullpen has been getting used quite a bit recently, but they're in the top three of the league when it comes to ERA and over the last 30 days. They're in the top two in both ERA and home runs per nine surrendered. And then you take a look at the Sandliner Braves team and they've been pretty much league average with regards to their bullpen ERA over the last three days. Uscari and has made two starts ever since coming off the injured list. His first one was against the Miami Marlins, looked very solid there, but then he winds up giving up three runs against the New York Yankees, and this is a guy that, over the course of his last eight starts, giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings with a 3.50 ERA, so after a start to the season, he wound up cooling down a little bit, and you just take a look at the San Francisco Giants team, and up and down the boulevard, you've got so many guys that are able to match for this bunch, as you've got one guy that's got north of 20 home runs on this roster. That would be Chris Bryant, obviously, their trade deadline acquisition but you just take a look at it. Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Mikey Strzomski, Lamonte Wade, Buster Posey, Wilmer Flores, who is someone that has been very interesting, by the way. Darren Ruff, along with Austin Dickerson. All between 13 and 20 home runs this season. Evan Longoria has been a little bit banged up along with Donovan Solano, but I mean with Mr. Posey hitting well above a 3 with a 4 on base Darren Ruff has right around a 400-on-base. Brandon Crawford is hitting right around a 295. And then you've got an Atlanta Braves team that they do a good job of being able to match as well. Albies along Dansby Swanson. Both of these guys between 22 and 25 home runs. Both of these guys in between about a 255 and a 270. you got Allison Riley and Freddie Freeman. How about these two gentlemen? Combining it about a 300 with Riley 27 home runs. Freeman has been able to put up 27 as well. Orisa Lair has been able to give you a double digit amount of bombs ever since the beginning of the month of July. You've got a guy in Adam Duvall who doesn't necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to get on base, but when he makes contact, he takes it very far. Twenty-seven home runs with the Atlanta Braves just have a little bit of fear that AJ Minter coming off the injured list is going to continue to look a little bit rusty. You've had Richard Rodriguez have his ups and downs recently, and with the Giants, this is a team that has been so sure-handed. They have been one of the best teams on the road all year long. So New York Post today is going to be the San Francisco Giants on the money line, and when it comes to the total, AF or lower, are going to be taking a look at the over nine, or I are going to be. Taking a look at the under. 961, 962 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing us the Colorado Rockies. 55 Shades of John Gray is going to be going for the Rocks. David Price is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 240 and minus 253 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rockies, anywhere between plus 195 and plus 227 is your price. Eight and a half is your total. Overs between minus 115 and minus 125. Unders anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105 for the Dodgers and David Price's starts. They haven't necessarily been so great. They are four and six in his starts. And for the Colorado Rockies, this team has the worst road record in the big leagues with regards to win percentage. But Sean Gray has been relatively solid for the team for much of the year. He's hit a little bit of a rough patch, giving up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts, but he's kept the ball in the yard. He's given up one home run in those last four starts, so he's been able to do a solid job there, and he's been able to get strikeouts, at least five punch outs in each out of those last four starts as well, so he is still giving you some very good stuff. He's just been a little bit unlucky with the balls in play overall this season for Gray on the road. 469 ERA across 11 starts. He's given up five home runs of 55 and two-thirds innings. Now the opponents are in 288 off of him, and for the LA Dodgers, this is a lineup in which they just don't have any breaks in it. You take a look at it. You've got Albert Pools, AJ Pollock, Chris Taylor, Will Smith, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner down for what? Justin Turner down for what? All these guys with at least 15 home runs. I think that the only guy that's sitting below a two fifty five at this point is Albert Pools, so it's been absolutely insane. Then with the Colorado Rockies, this team has the league's worst batting average on the road. You've got so many guys that they're just so vastly different from versus away from Coors Field. As CJ crone 22 home runs so far this year, 7 of them have come at home. All but one of Charlie Blackman's home runs have come at home. Though I will say his batting average is actually a little bit better on the road than it is at home, but Trevor Story wound up missing the game yesterday. He's been hitting right around the Mendoza line on the road. Connor Joe is hitting well above a three thirty at home below a two hundred fifty on the road. So that is certainly something to take into account. And then you take a look at Daniel Barton. This guy has just been a hot mess on the road. He's got a 10-13 road ERA compared to a 288 home ERA. I didn't think that that was humanly possible, but it is. Lucas Gilbreth has certainly had his ups and downs as well. But Robert Stevenson has actually been able to give you a couple of solid innings out of the bullpen for the team. He's got a three ERA on the road. So you've got a little bit of something to like with the Rockies there. But for David Price, whenever he's been stretched out, it certainly hasn't been great. And this is a Dodgers team that they had to trot out their pursuit or as their starter yesterday. So, this is a Dodgers bullpen that, despite the fact that they're in the top three with regards to bullpen ERA over the last three days, they are getting used up a little bit. Shane Green is a guy that they're kicking the tires on. Joe Kelly has just come off the injured list. Alex Vesea has actually been able to give you some very good innings, to my surprise. And Corey Knebel, another guy that's coming off the injured list. But, I did take a look at the spot. Should the Dodgers be a sizable favorite? Yes, but getting north of $2 with the Colorado Rockies, that is calling my name. So, I'm going to be going with the plus price. With the Rockies, I also wound up saying the start at 8.8. I did think that this team is going to be able to get to a guy in David Price that at home he has been able to do a relatively solid job but at the same time, you take a look at the way that opponents are batting off of him and they're really putting the balls in play. For David Price overall, opponents are at 267 off of him. At home, he's only given up about one home run per nine innings but certainly has been getting banged around a little bit. He's got a 382 ERA overall for the year so I do think that the Rockies are going to be able to get to him so plus Price here with the Rockies and the over the play here. 963, 964 on the banging board. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing us the Boston Red Sox. Nathan Evaldi is going to be going for the Sox. Cal Quantrill is going to be on the bump for the Indians. 9.5 is your total. Over and under are both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Sox, anywhere between minus 151 and minus 160 is your price. Meanwhile, with the Indians, anywhere between plus 139 and plus 141 is your price. I think we've got a wrong favorite in this spot. I don't say that very often, but I made the Cleveland Indians a favorite in this game. I take a look at the way that Cal Quantrill is playing, and he has been nothing short of magnificent for this Cleveland Indians team the last two months. He has, he's up now, Two runs or fewer in seven out of his last eight starts. He has been absolutely masterful for this bunch. He has given up one, got up one home run so far this month. He has won 31 innings in his five starts in the month of August. He's got a buck 45 ERA. He has been absolutely amazing. He's getting 10 strikeouts per nine innings in that time span as well, which has really been a little bit of a bugaboo for him. Then you take a look at Nathan Eovaldi and Things have not necessarily been as rosy for him. Now, he has been able to rein it in recently, giving up two runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts, but this is someone that home to road. He gives up a lot more our contact on the road. 502 ERA, in his 10 starts on the road. He's given up eight home runs over the course of 52 innings, three home runs at 93 innings at Fenway, and opponents are going to get 292 off of him whenever he's away from Fenway as well. Then you take a look at this Cleveland Indians bunch, and this is an offense that they've got some firepower. I like what you're able to get out of Framiel Reyes and Jose Ramirez. Ramirez 30 home runs so far this year. Framiel Reyes, Twenty-three of them. Both of these guys hitting between about a two fifty-five to two sixty-five miles. Stras hitting just above a two sixty-five. You got Amin Rosario hitting a two ninety as well. Now you need to get a little bit more out of some of these guys: Yu Chang, Owen Miller, Wilson Ramos, Austin Edges. These guys are hitting a two ten or lower. But Bradley Zimmer hitting a two fifty for this bunch. And for the Cleveland Indians, bullpen is relatively solid. James Karinchek, after he had a rough run of it about a month or so ago, seems to be picking it back up. Blake Parker has only been able to give you some good innings out with Nick Wicker. It has been an up and down ride for this year to say the least, but ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's got right around a buck twenty-three ERA, so he's looking like his normal self. Then you've got a Boston Red Sox team that ever since the beginning of the month of August, their bullpen ERA has been in the bottom six of the big leagues. They've been trotting out their guys like Martin Perez and Garrett Richards that began the year as starters as relievers. They have not transitioned well. Irakazu Saramona has been good, and Garrett Woodlock has been a two-inning specialist for this team, but you take a look at the Boston Red Sox, you're going to have to do it with a bet, and they wind up having to trot out their Yario Munoz for a start yesterday. That's not necessarily ideal for them. Now you do have quite a few guys that are just doing a tremendous job for the team. As you've got Christian Vasquez, Hunter Renfro and Kike Hernandez in between about a two fifty to two sixty, but you had a, quite a few of these guys be out due to injury and for Renfro, to my surprise, he's hitting twenty five home runs so far this year. Kyle Schwarber 20 deep twenty six times but only once as a Boston Red Sox, Rafael Devers. He has been in the top three with regards to RBI recently. Thirty bombs worth of ninety RBI. He's doing a great job, Xander Burghs is sitting at three hundred and JD Martinez, whenever he's been out there has been good. He wound up getting a day off yesterday as well. So, certainly some situations that are not necessarily ideal here for the Boston Red Sox, which is why I did wind up saying the Indians as a little bit of a favorite. Also wind up saying this all at 8.7 because I think that Cal Quantrill is going to be able to hold down this Boston Red Sox lineup. So, going under along with the Cleveland Indians. 965-966 on the bang bar. The Oakland A's are going to be playing out to the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. Frankie Montas is going to be going for the Oakland A's. 8.5 is your total. Over is any between minus 115 and minus 120 under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Yankees, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 114 and minus 130. Meanwhile, your plus price with Oakland is anywhere between plus 104 and plus 110. With Frankie Montas, you relatively know what you're going to be able to expect here. He's probably going to go six innings, and he's going to give up either two or three runs. He's not going to give up anything less. He's probably not going to give up anything more. That has just been Frankie Montas all year long. As He's got a 384 ERA, a 9 and 9 record, 1.1 home runs given up per 9 innings. He has been a little bit better when it comes to his home and road splits whenever he's been on the road as he's got a four home ERA, a 364 road ERA, but it's been pretty even Stevens. Meanwhile, you take a look at Nestor Cortez and he's been able to do a very good job for the Yankees. Now, wound up having a little bit of a rough start a few weeks ago against the Kansas City Royals, but really, he's given up three runs of fewer in all but one of his starts so far this year. So, he's come out there and he's done a very good job. You take a look at what he's been able to do away from Yankee Stadium, 323 ERA, so it's not necessarily as effective as at home, but still, he's given up right in the neighborhood about a two. 45 batting average. He has been able to limit the walks as he's given up right in the neighborhood of about 2.3 walks per 9 innings. And then you take a look at this Yankees lineup and it certainly has been able to put things together as you've got a pair of guys with north of a 360 on base towards the front end of it and Joey Gallo along with Aaron Judge and Carlos Sand above that threshold as well as all these guys have been able to give you at least 23 home runs so far this year. Anthony Rizzo has been a little bit cold recently but still has been able to give you 17 home runs. Still does a good job of being able to find a way on base. Gio Urshel is fresh off the injured list. He, Luke Vice. DJ Lemay only between about a 260 to a 275. Then you take a look at the Oakland A's and this is a team that they do a good job of being able to get on base as well. Tony Kemp, Mark Ganna, you're able to throw in their Matt Olson, All guys with right around a 360 to a 375 on base. And then you've got the Marte Partey of Starling Marte. His 40 stolen bases lead the league, sitting well above a 3 Then you've got a lot of guys that have between, I would say, about 15 to 12-ish home runs. You've got Mitch Moreland just below that with then He has been banged up all year long, but you've got Seth Brown, Sean Murphy, Mark Canna Jed Lowry, all in that fold. Ramon Loriano is out due to PED, so that's a little bit brutal. But you take a look at the Oakland A's, I do realize that Luke has been a little bit shaky for this punch, but I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. Sergio Romo, ever since the beginning of the month of June, he has been absolutely masterful with a sub 2 ERA. Andrew Chafin has been able to deliver as well. A sub 2 ERA. Jake Diekman, giving you some good innings. And then for the Yankees, Ronald Chapman is looking a little bit shaky recently, but Chad Green, whenever he's not in the ninth inning, he's been able to do a good job along with Lucas Lutke. Wandy Peralta has been able to rein it in as well. So I do think that this is going to be a very fascinating spot. I do think that Nestor Cortez is going to be able to give you a good start in this spot. I wound up saying the Yankees as a minus 123 favorite. So I'm going to be looking to take a shot here on the Yankees. Also wound up saying the solo 8.7. So we're going to be looking at an over. Hopefully I'm able to get a little bit more like a minus 110 juice, but I'm going to be looking at that over on 8.5. And I'm going to be looking at the Yankees. 967, 968 on the banging board. You've got the Seattle Mariners and they're going to be playing against the Kansas City Royals. Carlos Hernandez is going to be going for the Royals. Tyler Anderson is going to be on the bump for the Mariners. Mariners find themselves between minus 147, and minus 150 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Royals, that is any 14 plus 130 and plus 137. Eight and a half is your total. Over is any 14 minus 110 and minus 120. Under is any 14 even a minus 110. For Anderson, he's been able to do a relatively solid job ever since coming over to Seattle, but I believe that four out of his last six starts have been against the Texas Rangers. A Texas Rangers team that has been historically bad on offense ever since the All-Star break averaging fewer than three runs per game, so that needs to be taken into account. With the Mariners, a 3 R A in 27 innings has given up three walks and three home runs, so certainly he has been throwing strikes and then you take a look at Mr. Carlos Hernandez, this is a man giving up a little bit less than a home run per nine innings. The walks were really an issue for him as overall for the year, right around four and a half walks per nine innings, but you take a look at what he's been able to do recently. He's given up a grand total of seven walks over the course of his last five starts, all of which have been at least five innings. Four of them have been six plus innings, and the team has just really been winning whenever Carlos Hernandez has been able to take the mound. They are five and one in his last six starts, so he has been able to reign it in. He has also given up two runs or fewer, and now seven out of his last nine starts. If you're looking at long relief appearances, you can throw that in there as well, but if you're just looking at starts, he has been very much named and you take a look at Mr. Hernandez. This is a man that has a little bit of a better ERA on the road than at home, but 4 ERA at home, 391 ERA on the road, so fairly comparable. He's given up two home runs in 23 innings whenever he's been away from Kansas City. And then you take a look at this Royals bunch, and you do have quite a few guys that are doing a great job getting on base for you. And Sir Alberto, Salvador Perez, Nicky Lopez, Whit Merrifield are able to throw in there their new third baseman, Emmanuel Rivera. All these guys in between about a 265 to a 280 with Perez. He has certainly been able to supply the boom. 30 five home runs so far this year. Now, Carlos Santana ever since really the beginning of the month of July, he's had his ups and downs, but still is able to give you 17 home runs. Does a good job of being able to find a way on base. Andrew Benintendi, he's hitting at 260 as well. Michael A. Taylor has been able to give you some good at-bats. And for the Mariners, this is a team that's been towards the bottom of the big leagues with regards to batting average all year. But Abraham Toro, ever since coming over to Seattle, hitting above a three-hour now. I will caution you this. we got a lot of guys like Jake Bowers, Louis Torrens, Kyle Seager, Tom Murphy, Jared Kelnick Dylan Moore, all these guys hitting at 220 or lower, but I will say for Seager, 30 home runs so far this year. Mitch Hanager is hitting at 250 with 29 bombs. JP Crawford is hitting at 265, and the reason why the Mariners are still hanging around in the playoff race, despite their bad run differential, is that the bullpen has been terrific. They just wound up picking up Sean Doolittle a couple days ago. You've got Juan Ramirez, who has had his ups and downs, but has been able to pitch better down the stretch. Casey Sadler has a sub-1.5 VRA. Paul Seawald has been very good. Drew second rider, Eric Swanson. These guys are cutting it. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, they are dealing with the injury of Jake Brents right now so Scott Barlow is going to be looking to have a big role for the scene moving forward. Scott Blewett, when you've got a guy with the last name Blewett, you know exactly how this is going to go. Yeah, you don't have a lot of faith there. Joel Payampas, He's maybe able to give you a little bit of something along Domingo Tapia and Josh out, but I did take a look at this spot and I needed more like about a plus 147 ish to be able to take a shot here on the Kansas City Royals with the Mariners. I needed that 147 to be able to get there or lower. We barely got there at minus 147 so I'm going to take shot here. also want am saying this total at an 8.8, so I'm going to be going over because I do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression with both of these guys, but I think with the strength of the Mariners bullpen, a money line play is warranted here because I don't want to necessarily risk it on the run line here, especially only getting right around a plus 125-ish with the Seattle Mariners because of the amount of wandering games that they've been playing. 969, 970 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing us the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. Jose Ureña comes off the injured list for the Detroit Tigers. No numbers currently up on this game as Mr. Yerenia was a little bit of a surprise, and rightfully so, because we haven't seen Jose Yerenia since Dinosaurs Were Walking the Earth. You got that going on. You take a look at what you've been able to get out of Mr. Yerenia all year long. He's got an ERA that's hovering right around 6, and Quite honestly, he's been absolutely terrible. When he wound up going on the injured list, I really think that that wound up feeling that he tried Tigers a little bit. His last start wound up coming in the middle of July and he was not doing a good job all year long. This is a man that he gives up a whole bunch of hard contact. You take a look at Joreña's splits. 697 ERA at home, a 569 ERA on the road. and eight starts at home, he's given up three runs and 31 innings. Problem is he's also given up four and a half walks per nine innings and opponents are a 313 off of him. Coming off the injured list, I don't expect it to get much better. Alec Manoa, meanwhile, he has been able to be very good for the Blue Jays. Now, he does have his occasional hiccups, and home and road splits are big with him as well. 4.54 4.54 road buck 83 on ERA, and seven starts away from Toronto slash Buffalo. He has given up six home runs in 33 and two-thirds innings, but opponents are just a 219 off of him. Does a great job of being able to get swings and misses in. Take a look at this Tiger Seaman. They have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Eric Casas He, Robbie Grossman, you're able to throw in there Jonathan Scope as well. All guys have hit between 18 and 20 home runs, but I will say for Scope, he has really went into a little bit of a power outage recently. Here in the month of August, he's got one home run in. He wound up having just two in the month of July after he erupted for 10 in June. So, that was certainly a little bit of an issue for this team. And, got a couple dead bats right now. Zach Short, Des Cameron, both of these guys hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. Robbie Grossman, only a 240, but it's 360 on base. Is has able to make do. You've got Miguel Cabrera, Mr. 500 at 1 for this team. And then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, and there just are no breaks with this team. You've got a guy in Randall Gritchick, who's got north of 20 home runs. Boba Shet, he's been able to hit right around 20 plus home runs. He's hitting a 280. Marcus Simeon, north of 30 bounce. He's hitting a 270 70 Jr. to Oscar Hernandez. Both of these guys hitting above a 322 runs for Teoscar Hernandez. Flagger Jr. He's went deep north of 30 times. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. Now, with the Blue Jays, the bullpen has been a little bit more shaky recently. You do need to get someone like an Adam Simber back online. He hasn't necessarily been great so far this month. Joaquin Soria is a guy that they are getting back. And Trevor Richards has been a little bit shaky recently. But I do like what I'm seeing out of Jordan Romano as well. And for the Tigers, they wound up coming out of the all-star break really surging. That bullpen it's starting to fail them once again, though. Jose Cicero, Kyle Funkhauser, you're able, able to throw in there. Guys like Ian Kroll and Gregory Soto, they've been able to give you some good innings, but I think that Jose Yorana is going to get absolutely destroyed. I've got the Blue Jays that's right around a minus 180-ish favorite. I'd be willing to lay about a minus 125 on the run line, and when it comes to the spot, I'd be looking at a 9 or lower to the over, 9.5 or higher to the under. 9.71, 9.72 on the banging board. Got another game without numbers as the Tampa Bay Rays hit the road off against the Baltimore Orioles. John Means is going to be going for the Orioles. And one of my favorites, Michael Waka 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 Waka. As I use my dying Pac-Man voice, is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays were looking like they were going to be going with Luis Patino. Instead, we get Waka 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 Waka. So that means that no numbers are currently up on this game. My personal line is Rays minus 152, pretty much even money on the run line. And a 9.5 or lower would be taking a look at the over, 10 or higher would be taking a look at the under. which John means, ever since coming off the injured list, he has been a hot mess, and that's putting it very politely. But if there's one guy on the Rays that right now I don't trust, it is Mr. Michael as You take a look at him ever since the All-Star break, his ERA is hovering right around an eight. It has been absolutely terrible, as he has given up at least four runs in each out of his last four starts. And for that matter, he has given up at least four runs in, I believe, now six out of his last eight starts. He has just been a hot mess. That's putting it very politely here in the month of August. It just has not been going well for him, as he's got a 9.95 ERA. That is not what you want, and he's given up five home runs in his last three starts. Meanwhile, you take a look at John Means, and... Well, the month of August has not treated him politely either, as he's got a 6.52 ERA at a 5.09 ERA in July. He wound up having a sub two ERA the first two months of the year. He has faded, and he has faded quickly. And for the Baltimore Orioles, we know that this is not a good bullpen. You have been able to get a little bit of something out of Cole Sulzer, Tanner Scott, and I will say Tyler Wells is a guy that is developing with some good stuff. But then you've got guys like Fernando Abad. Abad is very, very. And you've also got Jorge Lopez, who is now coming out of the bullpen. That is not what you want. Paul Fry, after a good start to the year, he's now seen his ERA get jacked up to north of five. And for the Tampa Bay race, they just always have good guys out there in the bullpen. They've been dealing with injuries to Pete Fairbanks along with J.P. Fireisen, but Fairbanks has just come off the injured list. J.T. Charguaz sends. They picked him up from the Seattle Mariners. He has been able to do a very good job for the team. Then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays and you've got a quadrant of guys that will be able to give you north of 20 home runs so far this year. You've got Nelson Cruz, Austin Meadows, Mike Zanino and Brandon Lau all in that fold and for Lau along with Austin Meadows both of these guys are in between about a 230 to a 240 but both of their on bases are north of a 320 you've got a guy in Joy Wendell he wanted Franco along Nelson Cruz only between about a 270 to a 275 and for Franco I believe that he's got a 27 game on base streak that is currently going Andy Diaz, Manuel Margot you've got G-Man Joy as well in between about a 250 to a 260 Diaz and G-Man Joy both with north of a 350 on base as well and and then for the Orioles, you actually do have some guys that are doing a solid job of getting on base for you. As Anthony Santander, Trey Boom, Boom Mancini, along throwing Mountcastle, only between about a 255 to a 265 with Mancini, Mountcastle, Mullins. All these guys have been able to give you between 20 and 23 home runs. And for Mullins, he's hitting well above a 300. Ramon Odias has been able to hit about a 280 for the team. And Austin to say his kid is hitting right around a 245, and Pedro Severino just behind him. But then you've got guys like Calvin Gutierrez, DJ Stewart, Domingo Leiba, Austin Wentz list goes on and on, guys. They're in a 2.15 or lower, so certainly is going to be a fascinating spot. Like I said, 9.5 or lower. I'm going to be taking a look at the over 10 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the underhand. Willing to lay up to about a minus 152 here with the Tampa Bay Rays. 973, 974 on the bang board. The Walker, Texas Rangers are going to be playing us the Houston Astros. Frember Valdez is going to be going for the Astros. Kobe Allard is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. Rangers are find themselves as big underdogs. Anywhere between plus 195 and plus 211 if you're looking at the Astros. That is anywhere between minus 230, minus 249, is your total, under Zenny, 14, minus 110, and minus 115, over Zenny, 14, minus 110, and minus 105. For Allard, it has been certainly not the year that he was looking for, but he has been able to round into a little bit more form. Recently, he has given up three runs or fewer, in now three out of his last four starts, so it's looking a little bit better now. Giving up a right around two home runs per nine innings is not necessarily ideal, but still he has been able to do a little bit better when it comes to being able to limit these to solo shots because he has given up a combined six home runs in his last three starts. He has given up two, three, and three total runs in those starts, and he's given up a combined three walks in his last four starts. So, he is not putting guys on cheaply. It's just a situation in which when he gets hit, he gets hit really hard. Meanwhile, Framer Breveldes, it certainly has been a little bit of an up and down season from his walks have been a little bit unsightly, but he's given up a Combined two walks in his last two starts, so he was able to rein it in a little bit there, and he needed to because he's given up right around four walks per nine innings, but only right around 0.65 home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine, that's hovering right around eight and a half. And you take a look at Veldez, and he's got a 318 road ERA, 273 home ERA, so pretty good splits there. He's given up less than a home run per nine innings whenever he's on the road. And this is an Astros team that, as we know, the offense is pretty good with this team. You've got Michael Brantley along with Ella Mendizias and Yuli Guriel, only above a 3 and Then you've got Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, Alex Bragg, with Kyle Tucker, all in between a 270 and a 285, Jose Altuve wound up getting the day off yesterday, but he's hitting right around 270, 25 home runs. Kyle Tucker has been able to give you north of 20 bombs. You are on Alvarez, entered into yesterday with 26 home runs. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the Texas Rangers are the opposite of that. They are averaging a full run per game fewer than any other team out there in the big leagues ever since the All Star break. It has been absolutely terrible. Isaiah Caner-Falefa has been able to about a 265, and then you've got Lee Garcia, Nalo, Andy Ibanez. These guys are in between about a 245 forward to about a 260-ish, and with Adelis Garcia, 26 home runs so far this year, but at the same time, 16 of those wound up coming before May 27th, actually 27 home runs. My apologies, I cut them one short, but not cutting these guys short as you've got a trio of guys. In D.J. Peters, you're able to throw in there Jason Martin and their new guy in Yoel Pozo, all in below the Mendoza line of a 200. Nick Solak, Jose Trevino, these guys are in right around a 230. And then with the Rangers, got a couple decent bullpen pieces. Spencer Pan has come up from the Miners. He's looked okay. Brett Martin has been able to give you some good innings, and They did have Joe Barlow really going, but he is now on the injured list. So that's a loss for them and for the Houston Astros. Kegendall Graveman has been great all season long, whether it be there or with the Seattle Mariners. Himi Garcia has had his ups and downs along Phil Main and Christian obviously here is the guy that you're able to use as sort of a Swiss Army knife, do a little bit of everything guy. Ryan Sanik has been able to rein it in a little bit as well, so I do take a look at this and I think that the Astros should be a very sizable favorite. Set them on the money line as a minus 225 on the run line. I'm seeing that anywhere between a minus 135 and a minus 145. When it comes to Astros run line, I was willing to lay up to about a minus 145, so I'm going to be taking that. Also wind up saying this total 8.1 because the Texas Rangers just flat out aren't hitting right now, so we're going to be going with the run line of the Astros to go along with the little under... on the banging board. The Chicago Cubs hit the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox in the battle for Chicago. Alec Mills is going to be going for the Cubs. Lance Lynn is going to be on the boat for the White Sox. White Sox sizable favorites. And we're between a minus 274 and a minus 305. Meanwhile with Cubs... And we're between plus 240 and plus 246. 8.5 is your total. And this total is all over the place. With the over, it's anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. Meanwhile, with the under, and we're between even money and minus 115. I think that the White Sox should be a sizable favorite, but I was willing to take the Cubs as long as I was able to get a plus 240 or greater. We have somehow, some way reached that. Now with Alec Mills, I'm not going to go out here and sell you that he's the Mona Lisa Vito pitching or anything like that, but giving up less blessed home run per nine innings. His walks per nine is two and a half. He's been able to do a disable job whenever he's out there in the city of Chicago with a, about a 435 ERA. He has given up four home runs over the course of 39 and a third innings. Now opponents, they're making contact taking right around a 300 off of him. Then you take a look at Lance Lynn and this is a man that has been dominated at home. 214 ERA across 14 starts. Has given up 10 home runs in 80 innings, but opponents are in just eighty-eight off of him. This is certainly a contender for Cy Young, but you do take a look at the Cubs, and they were able to put up a six spot in the first inning yesterday, so they're figuring out a little bit of something. Rafael Ortega, Frank Schwindel, both of these guys are in north of a 295. Patrick Wisdom, he's got 22 home runs. He has been very good for the team. He, Matt Duffy, along with Robinson Chirinos, in between a 252-260. Now Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, Austin Romine, Andrew Romine, these guys, they need to pick it up. They're all hitting at 230 or lower along with Michael Hermosillo, but even Hermosillo, I think is going to be able to put it together in some form or fashion with the White Sox. You do have quite a few guys hitting above a 3 Tim Anderson is hitting at 305. You got Luis Robert, who's hitting right around 330, and then just off of that, Eloy Jimenez as well. Then you've got Yoan Moncada, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, Laurie Garcia. Only between about at 252 265. Abreu is right now leading the MLB in regards to RBI. North of 25 home runs for him. Moncada right around at 375 on base, and they get Back Yasmani Grandal, who's got one of the most insane splits I've ever seen in my life. Entered into yesterday with a buck eighty-eight batting average at a three eighty-eight on base. I have no idea how that works, but it does. They've got Cesar Hernandez, who's been able to give you twenty-one home runs up for the White Sox. They wound up acquiring a lot of the Cubs bullpen as they've got Craig Kimbrell along with Ryan Tepera. Put Kimbrell in the ninth inning because apparently in the eighth inning he forgets how to pitch. I have no idea how or why. Jose Ruiz has been able to give you a couple solid innings, but Liam Hendricks he's been a little bit up and down recently along with Aaron Bummer, and then. Hey, take a look at this Cubs of and we'll it. it's not great. We're gonna put it to you that way. Michael Rucker has been just getting destroyed. Manuel Rodriguez has actually been able to give you a little bit of something. A sub three ERA entering the yesterday. Cody Oyer has had his ups and downs. And Rex Brothers, oh, brothers, has this guy been bad ever since the beginning of the month of July? As ever since that, he's got right around a seven ish ERA, but. At this price, I think that Alec Mills is gonna be able to give you a little bit of something. Keep the ball in the yard. I'm gonna be crazy and I'm gonna be taking the Cubs with a plus price. Also wanted to say the solo 8.4, so going under along with the Cubs. We move on to 977, 978 on the bank board. The Minnesota Twins are gonna be playing us the Milwaukee Brewers. Adrian Hauser, don't call him Dookie, is gonna be going for the Milwaukee Brewers. Meanwhile, Charlie, don't call him Brown Barnes, is gonna be going for the Minnesota Twins. Your tolerance game is anywhere between 9.5 and 10. On the 9.5, over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. On the 10, the over is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 105. Meanwhile, the under, that is anywhere between even money and minus 115. With the Brewers, they are anywhere between minus 143 and minus 150 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Twinkies, anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135 for Barnes. It certainly has not necessarily been going well for him and for Adrian Elzer. This is a man that has been dealing with a couple stints on the injured list, but with Elzer, he's given up about a home run per nine innings. The walks per nine is a little bit unsightly, right around 4.3 walks per nine innings, but you take a look at what he's done, and in his last four pitching appearance, is he's given up one earned run, two runs in total. The last time he wound up giving up a home run... Boy, it has been a while. You have to go all the way back to June 26th, so he has won six total appearances without giving up a home run. Now, he did wind up giving up five walks in one of his most recent starts against the Pittsburgh Pirates, but really past that, he's been able to do a nice job, and then you take a look at Mr. Barnes, and this is a man in which he's got a north of six ERA. He has given up four home runs 23 in 23 and a third innings. He has been someone that when he's went up against better competition, like the White Sox company, has not been going well from very small sample size, so you really don't have big home and road splits, but Take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers and all of a sudden, Christian Yelich is starting to hit. He has been able to give this team right around a 380 on base despite everything that he's went to. A Jace Peterson has nearly a 400 on base as well. Got a guy in Lorenzo Kane along throughout he tell us that for the year, hitting right around 240, but tell us ever since he's come to the Milwaukee he has been hitting significantly better. They are dealing with an injury to William Domas. Luis Odias has been able to give you right around 16 home runs. He's hitting at 250 and Colt Wong at the top of the fold. He's hitting at 285. I know that Eduardo Escobar is dealing with a little bit of an injury as well, but by Large, silly solid lineup. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and you've got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up with regards to their batting averages. You've got Brent Rooker, you're able to throw in their Max Kepler, Jake Cave, Andrelton Simmons, Ryan Jeffers, Miguel Sano, owing at 225 or lower, but I will say for Sano, he's got right around 350 on base ever since the beginning of the month of July. North of 20 home runs, you've been able to get Rob Revsider and Ori Polanco to give you right around 8275. And Byron Buxton returned yesterday. I was not sure if we would see him for the remainder of the year, but he's hitting right around a 365 for this bunch. You would able to get 20 home runs off of Josh Donaldson. He's giving you right around 250 batting average, but then take a look at this twins bullpen and it is not good. They wound up having a trout out there. Andrew Albers for a start. That is not what you necessarily want. Ian Gabo is someone that's now giving you some innings. Ralph Garza Jr. has actually been solid with Caleb Theobar. I'll have Alex Callmey. I have no faith in either of those guys. Meanwhile, the Brewers, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, best 8th and ninth inning duo in baseball, in my opinion. You've been able to get quite a bit of something. I have Jake Cousins with his sub-1 ERA. Heck, even a guy like Obi Holby has been able to give you a tad bit of something. So, I take a look at this spot. I feel like the Brewers should be more like a minus-170 favorite. If you're looking at the run line of the Milwaukee you're finding that anywhere between even money and plus 105, and I'm going to take a shot here on the Brewers' run line, because I think that this is going to be a high-scoring game, says the solo 10.2, so going over along that Brewers' run line and wrap things up with the game that's off the board, 979-980. The Angels are going to be playing us to the San Diego Padres. It is going to be Jose Suarez going for the Angels' to be determined, is going to be on the bump for the Padres. So, got no numbers up on this game. Going to be probably setting the Padres as some sort of a favorite. I will say for the Padres, they've been more league average with regards to their bullpen over the last 30 days just because it has been getting used up so much that it's not even funny, but this is an Angels team in which Jose Suarez has not been good for them. With Suarez, ever since he wound up getting promoted to a starter, he's got a north of 5 ERA. Coming out of the bullpen he had a buck ninety-seven ERA. He was a tremendous long reliever. It has not went well for him ever since and he has given up at least 3 runs in 4 out of his last 5 starts. They've tried to lengthen him out. It has not gone well. And then you take a look at this Padres team and you've got a lot of guys that are able to take him deep. Fernando Tatis Jr., 35 home runs. He's hitting a two eighty, in for this team. You've got Manny Machado, Eric Cosmer, Austin Super you're able to throw in there. Jay Cronenworth, all these guys hitting between about a 260 to a 275. And then you've also got Trent Grisham, who's hitting about a 250, more like a 350 on base. And for the Angels, you've got the league leader in home runs in Choi Otani. he able to give you 41 bombs. That has been solved. But David Fletcher, after he wound up hitting like a 360 in the month of June, he has cooled down recently. He's hitting a 240. here in the month of August, so that's been a little bit tough. Jose Iglesias, one of the best gloves that you're going to find in the Majors. And then for Jared Walsh, hitting about a 265, but his powers just completely went away. This is someone that wound up entering into the All-Star break with north of 20 home runs. Ever since the All-Star break, I think he's got two home runs. It has been just absolutely unsightly what we have seen there. He spent a little bit of time on the injury list. Phil Gosselin, sitting about a 275, but then you take a look at the Angels. They pretty much had to go with a bullpen game yesterday, and this is a bullpen that's not very good to start with. You've got Jake Petrica, along with Jose Quijada, Mike Myers, guys that I don't have faith in, Rossio Glacius has been very solid, and Steve has right around a 330 ERA, but still, you give the upper hand to the Padres. you got so many guys who are able to come in, and they're able to do a solid job. Craig Stammen has been able to do a great job no matter his role. You've had Tim Be able to give you some solid innings. He's got right around a 3-4-ish ERA, which is one of the worst on the team because you take a look at someone like even a Nabel, Chris, Matt, Austin Adams. These guys have been very good for you. Pierce Johnson has been nails as well. So take a look at the spot. I'm going to be saying the Padres as some sort of a favorite. And this is a spot in which if it is a Padres bullpen game against the LA Angels, I'd be setting this total to where a 8.5 or lower I'd be taking a look at the over. 9 or higher I'd be taking a look at the under. Gotta think I'd probably be sending the Padres somewhere around about a minus 150-ish favorite, but I, it really does depend on what the Padres wind up doing these next 24 hours. So check back in the morning my Twitter feed at jerns41 because I'm just sort of a fish out of water on this one. And that will wrap things up on the Baseball Betting Podcast for this Saturday. A big thanks to Jason Radowitz of SBR, AK Sportsbook Review, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe to our regular podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea. What have you for this podcast? Got one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters EM. Yeah, the I mean does not matter so I as per usual. Send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated and then from there you're both firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into that comments box. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season which means coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.